السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد ونصلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد فاعود بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم وبشرح لي صدری ویسر لي امری وحلل عقدتا من لسانی یفقه قولی ربنا زدنا علما From the Ayatul Bir the verse of Bir of piety of righteousness that we learned yesterday one of the main lessons that we learn is that piety, righteousness, is not in doing good you like to do. But rather it is in doing what Allah likes you to do, what Allah wants you to do. Many times it happens that a person, when he does a particular good deed, he likes it, he enjoys doing it, and then he focuses on it, so he does it again and again, and he focuses only on that. And other things, other deeds, he begins to neglect them. But the Ayatul Bir, it teaches us that Our focus should be on the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we learn that Allah likes a particular deed, then we should do it, even if we find it hard. Like for example, when it comes to fasting. Why are we fasting? Even though it's so hard, even though it may be so difficult for some of us. Why are we fasting? Because this is something that Allah has obligated on us. So true piety, true righteousness is in what? In submitting to Allah. is in seeking the ribwan, the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we see that a person can earn the ribwan of Allah, the pleasure of Allah, by performing the deeds that Allah likes, that Allah has obligated on us, that Allah has commanded us to do. So there are some things which Allah has made compulsory on us, we have to do them, like salah and zakah. And there are other things that Allah has not made mandatory on us. He has not made compulsory on us, but He has left them open to us. You don't do it, it's up to you. But if you do it, this is true piety. If you do it, you're going to get the pleasure of Allah. And if you don't do it, then you're going to suffer. Then you are the one who's going to have lust to present on the Day of Judgment. Now in the following ayat, we will learn about some commands, some legal rulings. which Allah has obligated on the believers. And remember that when a person does what Allah has commanded, then even that is a means of earning the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is also a part of bir, of righteousness, of piety. So, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا All you who have believed, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِصَاصُ فِي الْقَتْلَى Prescribed for you is legal retribution for those who are murdered. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Who is being addressed? All of the believers. Previously in Ayatul Bir, who was being mentioned? The one who believes in Allah. مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ Right? وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَآتَ الزَّكَةِ Individual. One person. And over here we see that all of the believers are being addressed. That it is a requirement of your iman, it is part of your faith that you must perform this obligation. And what is that? That kutiba alaykum al-qisas. Kutiba, it has been written. Kutiba, kaftaba, kitaba is to write. And when this is mentioned that such and such has been written for you, what it means is that such and such has been made fard on you. It has been made obligatory on you. Because when something is written down, then it is recorded, it is fixed, it is understood that it has to be done. So for example, you went to a store, you bought something, you gave the money, and they gave you that object, whatever you purchased. Now, they issue you a receipt, right? And the receipt has the transaction recorded on it. On this day, at this time, this person, with this cardholder, with this name, with this number, purchased such and such object. Correct? So the whole transaction is written down. It's a proof that the transaction took place. Now, kitaba, kitaba, kataba ala, when it's followed by ala, it means when something has been made obligatory, mandatory. You have to do it. You don't have any choice with regards to it. So kutiba alaykum, it has been made wajib on you, it has been made compulsory on you, meaning you don't have any choice with regards to this. What? Al-qisas. Fil-qatla, concerning those people who have been killed. Al-qisas is a legal term, is a technical term, and it's from the root letters qaf, sad, sad. Qassa. Qassa. Yaqussu. It means to follow. 
Qasa yaqusu means to follow someone, to follow the footsteps of someone. Qisas is to punish the criminal, to punish the guilty person in the exact same way that he committed the crime. So whatever crime he committed, you punish him in the exact same way. If he killed someone, he is to be killed. If he broke somebody's bone, his bone has to be broken. If he cut off somebody's ear, his ear will be cut off. If he burned someone, then he has to be burned. Do you see what I mean? Qisas is what? To follow the same way. It's as though the criminal takes a path in harming someone. And Qisas is to follow him in that path and harm him in the exact same way. So this is why the word Qisas is translated as retaliation, the rule of equal retribution, equal punishment. So the crime that the criminal committed, you punish him with the exact same crime. Now tell me something. If somebody harms you, if somebody hurts you, Do you want to take revenge? Do you want to take revenge? Yes, you do. How? By doing the same thing. Correct? If you do any less, then you don't feel satisfied. You feel that injustice has been committed against you. You don't feel that it is fair. So if somebody harms you, naturally you want to punish them in the same way that they have harmed you. You don't want to accept anything less than that. And this could be from something that's very small to something that's very major. Something very small. Somebody ruined your notebook, you want to ruin theirs. Somebody pinched you, you want to pinch them back. Somebody ruined your hijab, you want to ruin their hijab. Likewise, at a greater scale, if somebody kills another, then what happens? The victim's heirs, the victim's family, what do they want from the criminal? That he should be allowed to go? That he should just serve, let's say, five years in the jail, ten years in the jail, and that's it, he's free to go? No. The victim's family cannot forgive the person who has committed such a great crime against their family member. So they will not settle unless and until the same has been done to him. So this is why Allah says, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِصَاصِ Qisas, retribution, legal retribution, equal punishment, has been made mandatory on you. Concerning who? فِلْقَتْلَى الْقَتْلَى is the plural of قَتِيل from the root letters قَافْ تَى لَامْ قَتْل means to kill. And قَتِيل gives the meaning of مَقْتُول meaning one who has been killed. So قَتْلَى Those who have been killed, those who have been murdered. So if someone has been murdered, an innocent person has been killed, then you have to stand up for him. You have to stand up for justice. You have to defend his rights. Yes, even though he's gone, even though he's not living anymore. But you have to hold the criminal accountable. Because in our deen, we are to side with who? With those who are innocent and not those who are criminals. Those who are criminals have to be punished. And those who are innocent must be given their right. Justice must be established in their favor. So, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِصَاصُ فِي الْقَتْلَى And we see that this is a requirement of iman. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just and He loves justice. He wants justice. And this is the reason why a person who is just, he will be under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. Why? Because Allah loves justice. Because justice is very difficult for many people to do. So, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِصَاصُ فِي الْقَتْلَى Why is it so? That if a person kills another, he has to be punished. If a person harms another, he has to be punished. Why? Because in our religion, human life is very precious. Human life is very, very precious. When it comes to a person who is guilty, if he is punished for his crime, that's a different case altogether. But an innocent person whose life has to be protected, whose life has to be honored, if he is killed unjustly, then this is not fair. 
And how precious is human life? We learn in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah 32, that أَنَّهُ مَنْ قَتَلَ نَفْسًا بِغَيْرِ نَفْسٍ أَوْ فَسَادٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ فَكَأَنَّمَا قَتَلَ النَّاسَ جَمِيعًا That if a person kills another, and that another person is an innocent one, then it is as though that person has killed all mankind. The murder of one person is as though the murder of entire humanity. Killing of one person is as though you have killed the entire humanity. Why? Because if a person kills one person, then what will happen? He will be able to kill another. Then he will be able to kill another. One murder leads to many more. Once a person develops disrespect for human life, then he doesn't care about people anymore. Then nothing will affect him. Like we have learned that summa qasat qulubukum, then a person's heart becomes so hard that he doesn't care for people. And we know that in our religion, many commands have been given for the preservation of human life. I told you once about the maqasid of sharia, the objectives, the goals of the laws of sharia. What are they? Preservation of human life. Preservation of lineage. Preservation of wealth. Preservation of intellect. Preservation of deen. So when a person kills another, then he is violating the sanctity of human life and he has to be stopped. He has to be punished very severely so that he takes a lesson and other people also take a lesson that this is not acceptable at all. So human life is very precious. And this is the reason why the law of qisas has been established, it has been made mandatory in our religion. And this is not a simple thing. Kutiba alaykum al-qisasu fil Now, one thing you should remember is that qisas, legal retribution, this is taken with regards to three things. With regards to three things. First of all, with regards to life. Meaning if a person has been killed, then qisas will be taken for him. In other words, the murderer, the qatil, will be killed. Secondly, with regards to limbs. That if a person has injured another's limbs in a way that that limb is not there anymore, it cannot function properly anymore. So for example, a person hit another on his arm so bad that the arm had to be amputated. Okay, So he doesn't have the arm anymore. Or a person hit somebody on their eyes that their eyes are gone. They cannot see anymore. Okay, So in that case as well, qisas will be taken. How? That if he injured the other's arm so that the arm is not functional anymore, his arm will be amputated. If he hit somebody on his eyes so that he cannot see anymore, his eyes will be ruined so that he cannot see anymore. If he cut somebody's ears, his ears will be cut off. So you understand? And thirdly, with regards to wounds with regards to wounds. So for example, if a person hits somebody with something on their back and there's a huge you know, wound on their back, a huge wound on their leg, on their head, it's not fatal, nor is it such that the entire limb is wasted, but it's just a wound on the body. So likewise, that same wound will be given to the criminal. So it is with regards to three things. What are they? Life. Secondly, limbs. And thirdly, wounds. And as I mentioned earlier, this will be in the case of deliberate attempt to harm someone. Accidental is a different story. And inshallah we're going to learn about that later. This verse talks about the deliberate attempt to harm someone. And in particular about the first case of khisas which is life. When it comes to limbs, when it comes to wounds, they are mentioned elsewhere in the Qur'an. Where? In Surah Ma'idah, ayah number 45. وَكَتَبْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ فِيهَا أَنَّ النَّفْسَ بِالنَّفْسِ وَالْعَيْنَ بِالْعَيْنِ وَالْأَنْفَ بِالْأَنْفِ وَالْأُذُنَ بِالْأُذُنِ وَالسِّنَّ بِالسِّنِ وَالْجُرُوحَ قِصَاصِ And we ordain for them therein a life for a life, an eye for an eye, a nose for a nose, an ear for an ear, a tooth for a tooth. Even if a person deliberately breaks somebody's tooth, then his tooth will be broken. And for wounds is legal retribution. So the second two, meaning the limbs and the wounds, they are mentioned elsewhere in Surah Al-Ma'idah. This ayah in particular talks about what? Murder. Which murder? Deliberate murder. And that is known as Qatl Amad. Deliberate murder. And when a person commits 
deliberate murder, meaning when he deliberately kills someone, intentionally kills them, then one of three things may be done. One of three things may be done. And inshallah we're going to learn about that in this verse. But just to give you an overview before we actually delve into the verse. okay? The first thing is that do the same to the guilty, what he has done to the innocent person. So he killed the other, he should be killed. Then there's another option. Which is that you don't kill the criminal, rather you agree to take blood money in return. The criminal says, for example, I know, I killed that person. I don't know what I was thinking. I was overcome with anger. I was overcome with feelings of hatred and jealousy, whatever. Everybody makes mistakes. I made a huge mistake. I have learned from my mistake. I know that I'm never going to repeat this again. Please forgive me. So the heirs, what do they say? Okay, fine, we forgive you. But they have suffered a lot. Their brother, their father, their sister, whoever was killed, this is not fair. So, what happens? They agree that the murderer will give them blood money. And blood money, this ranges. Okay, This varies from very little to a lot, depending on the circumstances, depending on the situation, depending on the person who was killed, and depending on many other factors. Okay? But it could go anywhere from between 5 camels to 100 camels. You might say camel. Yeah, you know how expensive camels are? You know how expensive camels are? They are very, very expensive. And the condition for some of the camels is that they have to be, that 60 of them, for example, have to be pregnant she camels. What does that mean? What does that mean? That soon they're going to give birth to more camels. Okay, so it's a lot of money. It's not an ordinary amount. It's a lot of money. It could go into millions and millions of dollars, quite literally. So the second possibility is that the criminal, he gives the blood money. And the third possibility is that the heirs of the person who has been murdered, of the victim, they forgive the criminal. They say, yes, we know you made a mistake and it's okay. Mistakes happen. That person is gone. What are we going to do with all this money? What are we going to do with you know, taking your life? It's okay. Just don't look at us again. Just don't see us again. Whatever they agree to do, you know, we forgive you, you go your way and please, khalas, that's it. We don't want to see you again. For example, this is what they do. Like for example, the Prophet ﷺ, his uncle was killed by wahshi. Okay? His uncle, Hamza, was killed by wahshi. And the Prophet ﷺ forgave him. He said, okay, fine. When Wahshi accepted Islam, he forgave him. But he said, just don't come in front of me. You can imagine how the Prophet ﷺ must feel. His uncle was killed. And the man who killed him is in front of him. Obviously, he would feel very sad. So this is why he told him, don't come in front of me. So they can make whatever agreement. But these are the three possibilities. What are they? First of all, to kill the murderer. Secondly, to agree to take blood money. And thirdly, forgive him altogether. Can you imagine? Now many times people say, Oh, Islam is so barbaric. So vicious. Look, if a person commits a murder, he has to be killed. Can you imagine? There is no forgiveness. What do you think is better? A person's life is taken away? Or that he is made to live in the graveyard of the living people? I.e. A.K.A. A prison. What's better? That a person is finished altogether or he is to serve the rest of his life in a prison for 45 years, for the next 60 years. And it happens when a person is extremely old, then when he finishes his sentence, then he is released and when he goes back into the society, he doesn't know what to do with himself. And many times when people finish their time in the prison, go back, they commit suicide because they can't live anymore. They don't know how to live normal lives. They have been psychologically you know, so disturbed that they cannot continue to live as normal people anymore. And if you think about it, if a criminal is kept in a jail, then what's happening? Whose money is being used to look after him? Taxpayers. So A, that person harmed you. And B, you're paying so that he is taken care of in the prison. Is that fair? It's not fair. 
In our religion, we are to side with who? Those who are innocent and not those who are criminals. The criminals must be brought to justice. Because if this crime is not stopped, then what will happen? It will be repeated again and again. And this is what we see. That where, if a person has committed murder, and the punishment is as simple as just serving a few years in the prison, then the crime is very common. Very rampant. And in places where there is strict punishment, very severe punishment, that the criminal is finished, he is killed, he is deprived of his life, then over there also, murders are reduced. Assalamualaikum. So I found a few statistics uh, regarding crimes in Saudi Arabia compared to the United States of America. And these are the most recent statistics, so from I think last year. So the number of executions that happened in Saudi Arabia was 143 compared to 42 in America. So that's more than three times, about three and a half times as many executions. So that means 143 people were given capital punishment yeah. for crimes such as murder or whatever. Yeah. So the result of that is the uh, number of frauds in Saudi Arabia was 741 compared to 371,800 in America. The number of embezzlements in Saudi Arabia was 924 compared to 17,300 in America. The number of car thefts was 18,717, which seems big, but compared to 1,246,096 in America. And the total number of crimes in Saudi Arabia was 84,599 compared to 11,877,218 in America. So there's a huge difference. And, you know, places where, for example, this capital punishment is implemented, especially for murder, it's a huge lesson. It's a huge lesson for people who see, who witness the punishment being executed. And matters are not delayed. Immediately, as soon as a person is declared guilty, the proofs are there, the evidences are there, punishment is executed, and he's done with, he's finished. And it's a huge ibrah for people, a huge lesson for people. I myself have seen, once I was in the haram, I prayed and I was on my way back to the hotel and I lost my sister and my brother. We were all going together in that huge crowd. We lost one another. So anyway, I was making my way back. And all of a sudden, the hotel doors, they opened up and there was, you know, these bells ringing and, you know, crowds and crowds of people were coming out. And a circle was formed. A man was brought in the middle. And I'm just watching in shock. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? This other man came, the mutawa, he came and he had a lash in his hand and he gave it to him, you know, a few times. And then within a few moments, the crowds dispersed. And I asked, what happened here? I mean, what just happened? It was so surprising. And this gentleman, he told me that the boy who was punished, he was harassing a girl in the mall. So he harassed a girl in the mall and immediately... You know, because it was caught on camera, witnesses saw, immediately he was brought out, he was given his beatings, right? And it was done. It was done. Now, this was a huge lesson for people. I mean, if somebody sees that so quickly you can be punished, and there's no mercy for you, no matter who your father is, no matter who your uncle is, no matter where you're from, it doesn't matter, you'll be punished for the crime you've committed, then you'll be careful. You'll be extremely careful. You will think twice, thrice, many times before you attempt to do something wrong. Before you attempt to harm someone. So, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِصَاصِ Qisas has been made mandatory on you fil qatla concerning those people who have been killed. Because you have to side with those who are innocent. And how will qisas be done? الْحُرُّ بِالْحُرِّ The free for the free. Al-hur from the root letters harara and hurriyah is freedom. And hur is a person who is not a slave. So a free person. So al-hur bil-hur, a free for a free, what does it mean? That if a free person has committed murder, then he will be killed, then he will be punished. Not his slave, not his family, not his wife, not his children. No. Who will be punished? That free person himself. He will be held accountable. He will be punished for the crime that he has committed. وَالْعَبْدُ بِالْعَبْدِ And the slave for the slave. Meaning if the slave has committed murder, again, that slave will be punished, not somebody else besides him. 
وَالْأُنْسَى بِالْأُنْسَى And the female for the female. Unsa from the root letter Zamza and Unsa, meaning if a female has committed murder, then that female will be punished, not somebody else besides him. Why is this being mentioned? We see that in the time of Jahiliyyah, the Arabs, their tradition was that if a tribe considered themselves to be very prestigious, very noble, very honorable, and if one of them committed murder, let's say killed the slave of another tribe. Okay? Their slave was killed. Okay? Their slave was killed. So if a tribe considered themselves to be very prestigious, very noble, their slave was killed by the slave of another tribe, what would they say? That no, no, we don't want to kill that criminal in return. We want a free person. You give us a free person and we're going to kill him. If their free person was killed, they would demand five free people to be given to them so that they could be killed in return. If their woman was killed, they would say, you give us a man and we're going to kill him. So in other words, they would demand that a higher human life, a human price should be paid for the crime that has been committed against them. But what do we see over here? That the criminal will be held accountable, not somebody else besides him. It happens sometimes that a person is guilty, but who is killed? His entire family is killed. If the people cannot catch him, who do they catch? His family. And they kill the entire family. If they have something against the father, they will go kidnap the son. And they will say, unless and until the father is handed over to us, we will not give the son. And if you don't give the father, we are going to kill the son. So what do we learn from here? That the criminal, regardless of his status, will be killed, not somebody else besides him. Of course, of course, the qatil, the murderer will be killed, not somebody else besides him. So al-hurru bil-hur, wal-abdu bil-abd, wal-unsa bil-unsa. And scholars, because of this reason, they have said that even if a group of people together kill one person, then all of them will be killed. Why? Because all of them together attempted the murder. All of them together killed that one person. And Umar anhu, he said with regards to a boy who was killed by seven men, a boy who was killed by seven men, that if all of the people of Sana'a, it's a city, if all of the people of Sana'a collaborated on killing him, this one child, I would have killed every single one of them in return. So what do we learn? That who is to be punished? The qatil, the murderer, the guilty, the criminal, he is going to be punished, not others besides him. He is going to be held accountable, not others besides him. So al-hurru bil-hur, wal-abdu bil-abd, wal-unsa bil-unsa. Not somebody else. The criminal is to be held accountable. But, like I mentioned to you earlier, when it comes to qisas, there's three options. One, kill the qatil. Secondly, secondly, what's the other option? Take the blood money. And what's the third option? Forgive him altogether. The question is that, like in the verse, we learned that this is an obligation on the Muslims. And if we're living in a place where the legal system is completely different, then what are we supposed to do? We are going to follow the law of the land. Okay? We're not going to say, oh, we have to establish our own laws over here because that's not acceptable. We are to follow the law of the land wherever we are. However, we must know what the teachings of Islam are. We must know what Islam says. So that we know that this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to do in such situations. If let's say five people together, they planned, okay, this is how we're going to trap so and so and this is how we're going to kill them. And one person from among those five took the gun and shot the person, then who will be held responsible? All five of them. Not just the person who shot, all five of them. Because they all facilitated that. And we know that if a person leads someone to doing something good, then it is as though he has done it. So on the other hand, if a person leads others to doing bad, it is as though he has done it. If a person witnesses it, but he did not say anything, he did not stop them, nor did he say anything to them, his case is different. Okay? Because he just kept silent. 
And there could be different reasons behind that because if he speaks, he might be killed. Okay? If a person attempted to kill somebody but that person escaped, they weren't able to kill him, then that case is also something serious. For that is also a punishment but it's slightly different than this. Okay? So the first case we learned so far of Qisas. Secondly, فَمَنْ عُفِيَ لَهُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ شَيْءٌ فَمَنْ عُفِيَ لَهُ عُفِيَ from the root letters عَيْن فَاوَاو عَفْوٌ عَفْوٌ is to pardon, to excuse, to forgive someone. So whoever was forgiven مِنْ أَخِيهِ from his brother شَيْءٌ something مَنْ مَنْ over here refers to the قَاتِل the killer, the criminal. The criminal, he is forgiven by who? By his brother. Whose brother? Which brother is this? Brother refers to the heirs. The family. Of who? Of the victim. The family of the victim. Okay? So they say, it's okay. We're not going to take your life. Instead, you pay us the blood money. And they say, okay, you give us the blood money, but I know it's too much. You cannot afford to do it, so give us 50%. Give us 25%, whatever they agree to do. Okay, so فَمَنْ عُفِيَ لَهُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ شَيْءٌ And أَخِيهِ, his brother, notice the word أَخِيهِ His brother, ha over here, it refers to the criminal and ha over here may also refer to the victim because the heirs, the family of the victim they are the brothers of who? of the criminal and also they are the brothers of who? of the victim you might say, understandably, they are the brothers of the victim, but how can they be the brothers of the criminal? Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala call them the brother? Min akhihi shay'un. Why the brother of the criminal? Because remember that all believers, they have the bond of brotherhood. Brotherhood that is based on what? On religion. Ukhuwa fil Islam. Brotherhood that is based on religion. So, you know, wrong things happen, fights happen, great things can happen, but at the end of the day, that person is still a Muslim, and you will treat him as a Muslim brother. This is something that we cannot forget. So, فَمَنْ عُفِيَ لَهُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ شَيْءٌ Then what has to be done? فَاتِّبَاعٌ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ اِتِّبَاعْ is to follow. And بِالْمَعْرُوفِ عَيْنْ رَافَ Ma'roof is that which is recognized. Because urf, irfan, is to recognize. Ma'roof, that which is recognized. What does it mean by this? This term ma'roof will come many times in the Qur'an. And I want you to understand this very clearly. Ma'roof is something that is recognized as something that is right. Meaning when you see it, when you hear of it, you're not shocked that, oh my God, what is this? It's acceptable. Okay, ma'roof is what? It is something that is acceptable. It is culturally acceptable, traditionally acceptable. It's not shocking. People are okay with it. So for example, if a woman is getting mahr at the time of her wedding, and the husband is giving her the mahr, and he says, okay, I will give you, let's say $5,000. Is it ma'roof? Is it acceptable? It is. But if the man says, I'm giving you only $5, is that ma'roof? Is that ma'roof? No. In this country, in this day and age, $5 is not acceptable. I mean, you better give a good gift. I mean, $5, you can't even get a whole pizza with that. Right? So it's not ma'roof. Likewise, if there's a girl, she wants to get her ears pierced. Okay, she gets her ears pierced. Is that ma'roof acceptable? Yes. But if she says, I want to get my chin pierced, I want to get my tongue pierced, I want to get my lip pierced, is that ma'roof? It's not generally acceptable. It is something that people find awkward. You know, many times people say, oh, culture is nothing. You know, ignore culture. All you have to do is look at what is halal, what is haram. If it's not halal, if it's not haram, you know, don't worry about it. But if it's culture, ignore it. No, culture matters as well. You have to see what is acceptable in the society. And there are many things that are left to us when it comes to the deen. Many matters are left to us and the word ma'roof has been used that you see what is acceptable. So, فَاتِّبَاعٌ ma'roof, Then a suitable follow-up. Then a suitable follow-up. Meaning, then the heirs are responsible to follow up in a suitable manner.
What does it mean by this? That they pardoned the criminal, they said, okay fine, we're not going to kill you, but you give us some blood money. So they have to agree, they have to ask for blood money that is reasonable. An amount that is reasonable. Not that they say that, you know, for example, my brother who you killed, he used to earn 70,000 a year. You give us, you know, if you killed him at the age of 35, he could have been working for the next 20 years, so multiply 70,000 by 20 and then you give us that much money. I mean, be reasonable. Can a person really afford an individual person or even his family or even his extended family, can they together even afford a couple of million dollars? Can they? They cannot. So فَاتِّبَاعٌ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ It should be done in a suitable manner. Whatever you agree to do should be something that is acceptable. فَاتِّبَاعٌ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ So the amount should be ma'roof. And also, the follow-up should be graceful, it should be good, in the sense that the family of the victim should not keep on reminding the criminal that, look, we spared you your life, we could have killed you, we could have taken your life, but we forgave you. And for the rest of his life, they're reminding him of the favors. No, it should be done in a graceful manner. And it's not possible that you say, okay, fine, you give us a blood money, and then afterwards you kill the other. That's not right. فَاتِّبَاعٌ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ The follow-up should be in a suitable manner. وَأَدَاءٌ إِلَيْهِ بِإِحْسَانٍ أَدَاءٌ From the root letters, Hamza Daliya. Ada is payment. It is something that is delivered to the other, something that is transmitted to the other. إِلَيْهِ to him, meaning to the brother, to the heirs of the victim. بِإِحْسَانٍ In the best way. Meaning, the duty of the criminal is now to give the payment in the best way. Both of them, they agreed on a particular amount. The heirs, they have to demand an amount that is reasonable. They have to follow up in a suitable manner. And the obligation of the criminal is what? That he should also hand over the payment with ihsan. So after the family of the victim, the heirs, after they have forgiven the criminal, meaning they're not going to take his life, then there are two things that have to be done. One on the part of the family and one on the part of the criminal. What is the responsibility of the family? فَاتِّبَاعٌ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ What is the responsibility of the criminal? وَأَدَاءٌ إِلَيْهِ بِإِحْسَانٍ Both have to do their part. Now the question is, how can the criminal pay the blood money with ihsan? How? That first of all, he gives whatever has been demanded, whatever has been agreed upon, as quickly as possible, whenever the term was agreed. Not that, you know, it was agreed that he was going to pay the money within a year and he runs away after a year and there's no sign of him, they can't find him, where he's gone, he hasn't given the money and he's escaped. Is that ihsan? Is that ada'un ilayhi bi ihsan? Not at all. Likewise, if he does not give the money, he says, oh yeah, yeah, I will just send it, I will just transfer it, I will just give it. He keeps delaying, he keeps procrastinating. Is that ihsan? It's not ihsan. Or for example, if it's not cash, but you know something tangible, like a commodity that has to be given as blood money, let's say a house, okay, then he's not going to ruin the house before giving it. It has to be in a good shape. Likewise, if it's camels, those camels should not be sick. Those camels should not be such that nobody wants them. No. Ada'un ilayhi bi ihsan. So both are obligated. What does it show? That in order to fulfill a command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, both parties have to do their part. Both groups have to do their share. And the thing is that the family of the innocent is already doing ihsan on the criminal. How? By forgiving him, by sparing him his life. Now the criminal, he has to realize this ihsan and he has to do ihsan in return. This is why Allah says, وَأَدَاءٌ إِلَيْهِ بِإِحْسَانٍ Because هَلْ جُزَاءُ الْإِحْسَانِ إِلَّا الْإِحْسَانِ No. If somebody has done ihsan, then you have to do ihsan to them as well. وَأَدَاءٌ إِلَيْهِ بِإِحْسَانٍ 
Such a beautiful manner is taught over here. Allah says, ذَلِكَ تَخْفِيفُ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ That is a tahfif, a lightening from who? From your Lord. Tahfif is from the root letters خَفَفَ خَفَفَ يُخَفِّفُ تَخْفِيف It is to lighten, to reduce the burden of something. So, this is a reduction for you. This command has been made very light for you. How? That the only way of punishing the criminal is not that he should be killed, he should be slain, but that he may also give the blood money. This is a huge favor of Allah, rahmah and also a mercy. Because the previous nations, they didn't have this option. The previous umam did not have this option. It is said that the Bani Israel, they didn't have the choice of taking blood money. If somebody killed, they had to be killed. On the other hand, the Nasara, they had no choice of either killing the murderer or even taking the blood money. They had to forgive. They had to forgive. So it was very difficult for the people. Very difficult for the people. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Muslims, ذَلِكَ تَخْفِيفٌ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ وَرَحْمَةٌ the way the law of Qisas is for you, it is very easy for you. In it is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَمَنِ اعْتَدَى بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ So whoever اعْتَدَى, he transgresses. عِنْ well, He transgresses the bounds. بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ After that. After what? After what? After having agreed to give the blood money, to accept the blood money. That the criminal will not be slain, rather the blood money will be given. So this agreement was made. But whoever transgresses after this agreement, فَلَهُ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Then for him is a painful punishment. What could be the transgression on the part of the heirs? How could they transgress? That they take the blood money and then they also go and kill the criminal. They take the blood money. On the surface, they say, yeah, 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 we forgive you. We will agree to take the blood money. As soon as the blood money was given to them, they go secretly and they kill the qatil as well. So this is udwan, this is transgression. What could be the transgression of the criminal after this agreement has been made? That he does not give the money. That he runs away. He hides somewhere. And it happens many times that a person will commit a murder and he will go and hide. People cannot find him. The police cannot find him. Right? The detectives are out there trying to figure out who killed this innocent person. Even if they figure out who is the murderer, they cannot find him. So whoever transgresses after that, Allah says, فَلَهُ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ For him is a painful punishment. We learned earlier, وَالْمُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِهِمْ إِذَا عَاهَدُوا Those who fulfill their covenant when they have made a covenant. So if they made a promise that the blood money will be given, then that has to be done. People cannot transgress after that. Because if people transgress, then what does Allah say? That for him is a painful punishment. What does it show? The family of the victim, the family of the victim, if they transgress against the criminal, then for them is painful punishment in the hereafter. They were innocent before and now they could be criminals. Because many times it happens that if a person has been unfair to us in taking revenge, we commit transgression. They hit us once, we will hit them three times. They pinched us once, we will pinch them three times. Correct? This is what we do. But the thing is that when a person transgresses, then he becomes the offender. He becomes the criminal. If a person supports the criminals, in the sense that if a person committed murder, they're helping him hide, cover up his crime, they are giving him protection in his house, they are siding with him, they are saying in the court that this person is innocent, whereas they know that he is guilty, then what is the case with such a person? What is the case with such a person? He is also committing a crime. And even though people may not find out about it, who knows about it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And the thing is that these laws Allah has given to us in this world, so that if a person has committed injustice against someone, 
it is settled in this world, in this life. So that on the day of judgment, you don't go with huge crimes in your scale. Even if a person has committed murder, he takes the punishment in this dunya, and on the day of judgment, he goes clean. This is why this punishment is implemented in the world, that a person goes clean on the day of judgment. But if a person never came out, never took the punishment, then he is going to go on the day of judgment with that crime, and he will be held responsible. And this is the reason why Allah says, فَلَهُ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ For him is a painful punishment. And this is not something that is small. When it comes to such cases like the murder, let's say, is a non-Muslim and the victim was a Muslim or vice versa, then the situation is slightly different. Likewise, if the qatil is the parent, the murderer was the parent, then again the situation is slightly different. Okay, There are some exceptions, which if I open up right now, if I start talking about it right now, it will not end. So inshallah, we can study that at some other time inshallah. If a person is not guilty in his heart, he doesn't feel any shame, he doesn't feel any guilt over the crime that he committed, over the murder that he committed, and he is punished for it, will he still go clean on the Day of Judgment? Not necessarily. Because it's the heart that matters, right? A person can suffer the punishment on the outward, but if the heart is not clean, then Allah is the judge. Allah is the best judge then. وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقِصَاصِ حَيَاتٌ يَا أُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ And for you, there is in legal retribution life, O people of understanding, so that you may become righteous. وَلَكُمْ And for you, O believers, فِي الْقِصَاصِ In the qisas, meaning in implementing qisas. When you implement the law of qisas, meaning you catch the criminal, you punish him, you take the blood money from him, you side with the innocent. For you, all believers, in this is hayatun, is life. Ya ulil albab, O people of intellect. A person might think that if a person killed another, one life was lost. Now if the criminal is also killed, another life is lost. You understand? Two people have been killed. But Allah says that if you implement qisas, you actually have life. Meaning you are actually saving life. How? How? If you forgive the criminal, you're saving life. But Allah is telling us, if you kill the criminal, then you are saving life. How? Because if a person has killed another once, then he can kill more people again. If a person has committed a crime once, can he not repeat it again? Of course he can. So if he's not stopped, if he's not punished, then this crime will multiply. And others will think, okay, he got away with it, we can too. So if he can kill somebody, we can also kill somebody. And we see that these days, for example, there's so much murder everywhere, whether you turn on the TV or you're playing a video game, there is killing everywhere as if you're shooting at apples and oranges. There is no respect for human life. The way people are killed, innocent people are killed. And we see that because of this reason people have no respect for one another. In our religion, many commands have been given so that human life is respected. And it begins with the prohibition of backbiting. We're not allowed to backbite another person. Why? Because if you can talk badly about someone behind their back, then there can come a point where you can actually kill them. So all of the doors, the means, the ways that lead to killing a person, they have been closed. Those means have been stopped. So that nobody can get to that crime. This is the reason why backbiting is not allowed. This is the reason why we're not allowed to abuse one another, whether it is physically or verbally. We are to respect each other. Rights, responsibilities are there so that people have respect for one another. And likewise, when a person commits murder, he is to be punished very, very seriously. Like we learned earlier, that the people of the Sabbath, when they committed transgression concerning that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala transformed them into apes. It was a severe punishment. And what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say concerning that? That فَجَعَلْنَاهَا nakalan. It was an exemplary punishment. Exemplary punishment for the people. Of that time and the people who come later, that don't play around with the commands of Allah. 
Likewise, this severe punishment teaches us the same lesson that don't play with human life. Don't think it is a small matter. It is not a serious matter. It is a very serious matter. So, وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقِصَاصِ حَيَاتٌ For you in implementing qisas is life, saving of life. But who does Allah address? Ya ulil albab, O people of intellect. Because ordinary people, they cannot understand this command. They cannot understand why this apparently barbaric command could be a part of Islam even today. In this modern society today. It is only those people who have intellect who can understand, who can see the benefit of qisas. And the word al albab is the plural of lub. Lub. And lub is basically the middle part, the crux of something, the core of something. So for example, you have a fruit, the pit, the seed that is inside, the innermost part of it. What is that? The lub, the essence, the core of something. And we see that the main thing in the human beings that differentiates them from the rest of the creatures is what? What's the main thing that humans have that other creatures don't have? It's the intellect, right? It's the intellect. So those people who have intellect, those people who use their minds, who think about something, who reflect on it, who go deep into it to reflect its benefits, to look at its pros and cons, they are the ones who will see the benefits of Qisas. They will see that Qisas truly saves lives. وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقِصَاسِ حَيَاتٌ يَا أُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may adopt taqwa. Lub is the middle part of something, the crux of something. So Ulul Albab are those people who have intellect, meaning who use their intellect, who have penetrative minds. You know, just as you go deep into something, Deep into the fruit, likewise they go deep into a matter, they look at its pros and cons, benefits and its harms, they weigh them, and they realize in this case that qisas is definitely better. Because it saves lives. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may adopt taqwa. What does it mean by this? Meaning qisas has been obligated on you, it is a means of saving lives, and it leads you to having taqwa. In different ways. First of all, taqwa in the literal sense, that it protects you, it saves you. When you side with the innocent person, then who are you actually saving? Yourself. And if there are people who are innocent, and you don't stand up for them, what's going to happen? Tomorrow that same harm is going to come on you. Tomorrow that criminal is going to come and harm you. If you don't speak up for justice, if you don't stand up for justice, tomorrow you will suffer. So لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ You want to save yourselves? You want to protect yourselves? You want to protect your life? You want to protect the lives of your family members, of your loved ones? Then you stand up for this. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Another meaning is that you may develop taqwa, meaning you may develop the fear of Allah. That if a person commits murder, he will be punished very severely. And if he gets away with it in this world, he will definitely be punished in the hereafter. So this law of qisas, it develops taqwa in a person. It protects him from committing the crime of murder. You know, just like when you're fasting, you develop taqwa. How? That you want to eat, but you don't eat. The next time you want to do something wrong, you're able to protect yourself. You're able to stop yourself. Likewise, when a person wants to kill someone, then what happens? The taqwa of Allah prevents him. It stops him. Because it happens. I'm amazed at how a person could have such enmity, such hatred for another, let's say even a family member, that they say, I wish I could kill them. I've heard this with my own ears. People have such hatred for their own blood relatives that they say, I wish I could kill them. I wish I could just take this knife and stab them. Shaitan puts these feelings in our hearts and he puts these thoughts in our hearts. But what is it that stops us? The fear of Allah. That we know that this crime is not small. Killing someone, taking their life away is not something that is small. It is something that's very major. So it develops the taqwa in us, the fear of Allah in us. 
So for summer school, we were writing an article about capital punishment, and the article was based about a man who was murdered because they had sources, evidences that he murdered a little girl. But then after he was murdered, the evidence came out that he was actually innocent. And so the question was, do you support capital punishment or not? Because later on, you might find out that he was innocent. So I really didn't know what to answer for that. Okay. It may happen, but the thing is that in our religion, When capital punishment is implemented, it is only implemented when the evidences are there. And the evidences are not just uh, forensic, like physical, right? But also shahada, testimony is taken. That they say, I swear by Allah, I did not do this. I swear by Allah, I saw such and such person doing it. So words of people also matter. So it's the physical evidence as well as what people have to say. And let's say, if for example, it did happen, that an innocent man was given capital punishment. Okay, he was killed. Later on, after many years, it was realized that he was killed innocently, he wasn't supposed to be punished. But then, what's the way? What's the way? What do you do? How many times do you think it would happen? Every time? Not necessarily. There would be only a few times that this would happen. And if it does happen, then the state will make up for it. Then the family will make up for it. Meaning, his family will be given the blood money. Because he was killed, an innocent person was killed, so his family will be given the blood money. Do you understand? So, justice will be established. And it happens today as well, that an innocent person was in jail for how many years? 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And then after that, it's proven he wasn't guilty. So what is done? Distant apology is offered? No. With an apology, some compensation has to be given as well. Right? And this is the dunya. This is only this world. Alright? And the hereafter is where perfect justice will be established. And this is the reason why we learn that فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِسْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ If a person has done even an atom's weight of good, he will see it. And if a person has done even an atom's weight of evil, he will see that. Allah is very just. This is why He has a scales to weigh our deeds. So in this dunya, we are to decide to carry out the punishments to the best of our knowledge and ability. And Allah knows the intention. And Allah is the one who gives reward to those who are patient. To those who have been punished while they were innocent. So, وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقِصَاصِ حَيَاتٌ يَا أُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may become righteous. Another meaning of لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ is that you may become righteous by following yet another command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now let's listen to the recitation and then we'll continue. يا أيها الذين آمنوا كتب عليكم القصاص في القتلى الحر بالحر والعبد بالعبد والأنثى بالأنثى فمن عفي له من أخيه شيء فاتباع بالمعروف وأداء إليه بإحسان ذلك تخفيف من ربكم ورحمه فمن اعتدى بعد ذلك فله عذاب اليم ولكم في القصاص حياه يا اولي الالباب لعلكم تتقون one thing that i want you to notice again is that فَمَنْ عُفِيَ لَهُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ شَيْءٌ Imagine a person committed murder, he is a criminal, but yet Allah called him the brother of the heirs of the victim. That the relationship of brotherhood, that does not end. And when you look at the criminal even with this feeling that he is still your brother in deen, he doesn't become a non-Muslim, he doesn't become a kafir just by committing murder, then you will still want good for him. And whatever you decide will be based on well-wishing. Now, in such a serious matter, the case of murder, Allah calls these people brothers. What about small matters? You know, if we don't get along with somebody and we say, I don't want to see them again, I don't want to talk to them, 
I don't want to have any relationship with them. I don't want to ever see them again. No. Allah has kept that relationship between the two of you. And you have to respect that. Sometimes it happens that family members, they don't get along with each other. They have fights with one another and they don't want to see one another ever again. No. These arham, these relationships, Allah has made them. And we have to accept them. And we have to respect them as well. We cannot cut them off just because we find it difficult. Just because we don't like the other person. Just because we have been extremely hurt because of them. And the thing is that when we forgive, we can hope that Allah will also forgive us. And we learn that if the heirs of the victim, if they forgive the murder, that is much better for them. It is much better for them. If they forgive, forgiveness has been encouraged. Where the punishment has to be implemented, forgiveness has also been encouraged. Because whenever a person forgives someone, then Allah will increase him in his honor, in his position, in his dignity. Allah will elevate him in the eyes of other people. So remember this, that where the law is there, forgiveness is also encouraged. Brotherhood will remain intact. Feelings of mercy should be there. Mistakes happen, but then people realize, and they feel guilty, and they make their mind that they want to change, and it happens. A person could be a serial killer. Remember the story of that man who killed 99 people and he committed one more murder? So he killed 100 people? He wanted to change. He realized he had done something wrong. So no matter who a person is, there is always room for improvement. There is always hope that he will rectify himself. This is the reason why tawbah is there. The doors of tawbah are open for a person until death approaches him. So we should also be forgiving towards others. Okay, let's continue.